you guys actually enjoy treating your customers like a piece of shit, because that's how I felt when I went to the Alamo Draft House, okay? You know what? I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to text in your little crappy-ass theater. It was too f***ing dark in that place for me to find my seat, all right? I was using my phone as a flashlight to get to my f***ing seat. So excuse me for using my phone in USA, United States of America, where you are free to text in a theater. I was not aware that I couldn't text in your theater, all right? I've texted in all the other theaters in Austin, and no one ever gave a fuck about what me I was doing in my fucking phone, all right? And it was on silent. It wasn't on loud. It wasn't bothering anybody. You guys, obviously, were being assholes to me, and I'm sure that's what you do, you know, to rip people off. You take my money, and then you throw me out, you know? I will never be... Coming back to your Alamo Draft House or whatever, I'd rather go to a regular theater where people are actually polite. And, it, you know, I'm going to tell everyone about how you are. And I'm pretty sure you guys are being on purpose. So thanks for making me feel like a customer. Thanks for taking my money. Hey there, General Red Review here with Old Colony Pest Control. If you're having pest problems in a commercial or residential setting, we're the people to call. Veteran-owned, based in Massachusetts and Rhode Island, Old Colony has been here servicing your homes proudly, and we plan to keep it up. Our team is fast, efficient, and reliable. We go above and beyond to cater each project's individual need. No task is too much for us, so give us a call. 774 400 5993. Again, the number is 774-400-5993. Hope to hear from you soon. General Red Review, out. Phenom Radio is the home of the hottest indie music. Tune into the Phenom Radio Top 20 Countdown, Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Uh, Pacific. Raise a sharp up to raise your paws up to when the sun. This little reunion about to crack. We got the whole crew back. Really, bitch. A cabin in the woods. Now let's get it all in perspective for all y'all enjoyment. Of you still a slave to the white man? Y'all gonna start calling my wife the white man, all right? Newness, here's the anthem. Put your hands up that you shoot with. Count your what we with. do on Juneteenth? Oh, hell no. Where are you going? Look for the fuse box. What kind of house is this? No, no thank you. The blackening? Whoa! Jim Crow Monopoly. That shit probably runs on racism. Pick a card and save Morgan. What do you mean save Morgan? <laughs> Refuse to play, and she dies. I think we have to play the game. In your predicament, the black character is always the first to die. I will spare your lives if you sacrifice the person you deem the blackest. The blackest? Nobody should judge anybody in here, bruh. You have two minutes to decide. Shanika, she say nigga the most. Nigga! See? Wait. Y'all can't pick me! I'm gay. Oh, Clifton. Yeah. That can prove I'm not the blackest. Prove it. I've never seen Friday. Oh, 
I voted for Trump. <gasps> what? What? Twice. That's exactly what she did. You could shut up. Made you look. Made you look. What black women gotta save everyone else? Damn time! Oh, uh, made you look. Uh. Yo, stop playing. I got a gun. Damn. Ew. That's too DMX. What are you doing? <laughs> job, a better home, a better life. Who hasn't wished for these things, worked for them, and sought a place where they had a better chance of becoming real? For generations, Brockton has welcomed those seeking something better. From those who came in search of opportunity, to today's multicultural population, that makes us the most diverse community in all of New England. Brockton is a place where homes are more affordable, communities closer, where a strong and talented workforce fuels the success of businesses big and small, and the vision of a more diverse and equitable America is being realized every day. It's where ideas take root, businesses grow, communities thrive, new beginnings unfold, and the promise of a better life is kept. Brockton, Massachusetts, where better begins.
You're not I am. And listen, you must to Hoolazoo.com. Call me a coward, say that I'm not strong because I'm not like you. Go ahead and call me crazy because I live in a maze. Tell me, how about you? I think I live in my head. Sometimes I think that I'm dead. I have behind my youth. No, I've been losing my mind and I'm a little behind. Step aside my shoes because I never been happy with myself. And I don't need no one feeling bad for me. Trying to offer me pity and throw jabs at me. Want to give me advice and then laugh at me behind closed doors. Just close the door and let me be by myself. Just me and myself. I'm tired of living, I cry, here it's easy to die, I wanna see for myself And I know that sounds crazy to everyone else, but I'm depressed as fuck, stressed as fuck Ain't no medicine that can cure us intense as drugs I need I need extra love and that ain't even enough, so that ain't even enough And where the fuck is God? Damn, maybe I ain't believing enough, but today we gonna see if he's real And if he is, then I guess I'm probably going to hell Look, I ain't wanna die like this, I ain't pitching my life like this they don't know what it's like like this Pretending I'm happy so I can smile like this And laugh like you Sometimes I wonder if I ever act like you Could I finally fit in and maybe relax like ooh Or would you feel lost without me Cause honestly I think the world is better off without me And my mind's spinning This is the line finish Truth is I don't care how they feel about my feelings I made up my mind I'm going out like Robin Williams I guess I'm not the ordinary people of John Legend And I've been suicidal since the day I was nine Shit Okay, today I was nine. I've been tired of being bullied, couldn't stay out the fire. Grandma told me I should take it one day at a time. And damn it, look at me now. Fuck. Fuck. Pen running out. Shit. Damn. Look, it's no, it's a new day. But if you're reading this, then it's probably too late. Just make sure you tell my family it's okay. I'm sorry, but it's too late. I'm sorry, so much waiting on me. I don't wanna live to see another day. I'm sorry, but I can't stay. I'm sorry, so much waiting on me. Just make sure you tell my family it's okay. I'm sorry, but it's too late. I'm sorry, so much waiting on me. I don't wanna live to see another day. Finally happy, it's too late for you. 
Been going out of my mind You don't know how many times that I done prayed for you I hope you hear me, goddammit Cause I got so much shit that I wanna say to you I used to shine, now I'm all in the dark I remember I used to tell you to follow your heart But goddammit, look at you now It's all in your fault, I could you Maybe it's my fault I should've paid more attention to what you been doing Maybe I should've been more of an influence I can't believe that you're dead I, f- I read your letter and all I could do is have mixed feelings about it But I'll forever be attached to you Damn Part of me feels bad for you A part of me feel like you weak and I'm mad at you And I don't mean to be insensitive But I don't understand how we couldn't prevent this shit You took the easy way out God damn it you did I mean look what you did I'm so fucking upset How could you be so selfish? Nigga How could you be so selfish? Now you're gone You done left me so helpless I wonder what God thinks I hope you in God's place behaving yourself Yo what the fuck you gotta say for yourself? Look, I really feel lost without you I hate the fact you think the world is better off without you And my mind's spinning, this is the line finish Truth is I don't care how you feel about my feelings And I'd be lying to you if I told you a fine listen I know that you can hear me, all I need is like five minutes I just want to reach inside the casket and pull you out I'm sorry, this is something that we both couldn't figure out I wish I could hear you now, it's your soul missing I wonder if you could do it again, would you do it different? Tell me what death is like was it meant for you, Brody? Did the heaven support it? Are you fucking happy now? Did you get what you wanted? Isn't this what you wanted? I feel the temperature falling and you been suicidal back then, you were not. Yeah, even back then you was not. We was living on the edge, couldn't stay out the fire. Grandma told us we should take it one day at a time and damn it, look at you now. But it's a new day and if you can't hear me, then it's probably too late. Fuck! Just make sure you tell my family it's okay I'm sorry, but it's too late I'm sorry, so much waiting on me I don't wanna live to see another day I'm sorry, but I can't stay I'm sorry, so much waiting on me Just make sure you tell my family it's okay I'm sorry, but it's too late I'm sorry, so much waiting on me I don't wanna live to see another day
All right, it's your boy, Sinister One, broadcasting live from the City of Champions. You are listening to The Booth, and we are here. It is May 2nd. Jesus Christ. We we are... <laughs> the year is just flying along. Um, I, I don't know what to say. It, it's just... It's going so fast. Um, before you know it, it's going to be June. And hold on, I'm just fixing some stuff here. It's going to be June, and we are going to be halfway halfway through the year, for Christ's sakes. Um, first of all, I got to mention my guest from last week. Get my paperwork here. Uh, Carmen and Camille from last week. And tonight, as you guys see my regular guys on here, it's first Tuesdays. So let me get into my sponsors before I introduce my guest for first Tuesdays, Michael Douglas Barreto, MDB electronics you need your controller fix get it out to him within 24 48 hours you're back to gaming available now viana marie it's personal everywhere grab that snatch that music up also on spotify streaming sites everywhere available now viana marie it's personal also tactical target systems those zombie targets that you see me with reach out to them get your zombie targets also i love bostonsports.com for those t-shirts and you have a chance that you could possibly win a t-shirt if you're in the chat. Also, Viana Marie, that's her picture there. Kimberly Ann, Empowerment Photography. You can schedule your personal photography session with Kimberly Ann. And before we get into the news booth and get into my guys, I'm going to introduce them up in the upper left-hand corner. My man Rob Resnick is in the upper left-hand corner. Down below in the bottom left-hand side is Ken Diesel, Kenneth Diesenhoff. Both these guys are attorneys. Um, both these guys have been around for years. Um, and we're going to be talking about some politics and some legal stuff here. And like I said, what's great about this show, when you tune in and listen, um, it's not just a bunch of people throwing out their opinions or being um, armchair quarterbacks or armchair legal people or, you know, or Google searching. These guys know what they're talking about. These guys um, have had many years um, in the courtroom. So let these guys say hello. Ken, I'm going to let you say hello first. Well, hello, everyone. Belated happy International Day of the work, uh, Worker from your capitalist imperialist overlords. It's good to be back. <laughs> and I'm going to let I squared say his hellos. Hello, everybody. <laughs> it's always great. Love the first Tuesday of the month. Love it. And we're going to get into the news booth. In the news booth, as you guys see here in the picture, Peter Tetrizi and his daughter Sophia need your help. Uh, Peter and his daughter have tickets to the upcoming Taylor Swift concert. Um, he is now handicapped. He is in a wheelchair now, 100% of his time. Um, when they had purchased these tickets, um, he was not handicapped. So everybody's been trying to help them out, reach out to Gillette Stadium and try to get these tickets changed. So he can have handicap access um, or maybe have the ability to bring a nurse. Uh, to be honest, I've got my two legal guys here. Um, is there some type of legal recourse if you become handicapped, if you bought your tickets before you were handicapped? Because you have to have handicap access and handicap seat availability. Does Gillette have to allow him to change his seat or some way because he's now legally um, handicapped? Well, they've got to do what you call a reasonable accommodation. However, you can drive a Mack truck through the side of the hall with that. Do they have to? Do they have to give him new seats? Probably not. 
but they would probably have to get allow him to have an area where there's handicap accessible. Most play stadiums, and I know for a fact because I've been there, Gillette does have certain areas. Yes, they do. Where there, which are created just for wheelchair and mobility challenged people. And I would assume that he'd be entitled to have go to that area. However, that area tends not to be very close, as you're sure I'm aware. It may not be the best place for um, for him. So, yes, they probably would have to give him access to those areas if he had a ticket and if the accident happened before the, before the ticket occurred. Whether that's going to be good enough for him or not, that's the $64,000 question, as we used to say back in the day. Right. And the crafts have always been really good with things like this. The crafts have been top notch. So hopefully this will work out for him. Anything you want to add to that, Squid? No, I mean, it's first come, first serve. It may just be, you know, whether there's space available or not. It may, they may not have the ability to accommodate them this late in the game. But, you know, then again, apparently these tickets go for top dollar. They sell out right away and yeah. people are willing to pay a lot for them. So, uh, you know, Ken's a big Swifty. Maybe he'll take the tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor Swift's tickets were a bit of controversy, too, because that was the concert where Ticketmaster messed up. Ticketmaster did the pre sale. And the pre-sale was only supposed to be 10,000 tickets. And they forgot to lock in the 10,000. And all of the pre-sale people were able to buy all of the tickets before any of the regular peons like us could buy the tickets. <laughs> and Ticketmaster got egg on their face. Uh, people came after Taylor Swift. And Taylor Swift's people were quickly were like, it's not our fault. It, we don't run Ticketmaster. So Ticketmaster had to eat that one. Um, but... Tickets were in the upwards of like $3,000. I could never see paying that much for a concert. Anyway, um, for those who are here, um, last week I talked about me being a big hypocrite. They came in the mail. There they are, my Wakanda Forever Black Panther Crocs. They're actually on my feet right now. Um, they're comfortable. They are now my official production podcasting shoe. Um, no. I. No, uh, friends look. don't let friends wear crocs. <laughs> uh, look, you know how much End I talk story. crap about it on this show, and I had to get them because they're and they're actually very comfy. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> not gonna lie. Um, Brockton finishes third place in the New England Regional Dome Competition. Brockton High, congrats and kudos to those guys. And uh, we talked about this on the show, guys. We had a legal story about Boston SatanCon coming. SatanCon. Came and went. <laughs> there was really no, really nothing really happened. Um, the alleged sellout wasn't even really a sellout. They had a ton of empty seats. The religious people, like hypocrites, they went down there and they protested, but it was no big hoopla at all. Um, also in the news booze, Vice News is filed for bankruptcy. The company has closed its doors. It's laid off people. For, for people who don't know what Vice News is, Vice News is like this guerrilla reporting. They put boots right on the ground. Um, they've covered a ton of stories. They tell the truth right in, in, in your face. And um, it's, it's, it's sad to see Vice go. Um, but also um, BuzzFeed also is another one that's gone. Um, and this was talked about at the correspondence dinner about this so we're going to get into the legal booth first republic bank was seized by the fdic and sold to jp morgan chase pay attention people jp morgan chase is buying everything up and then here's the funny thing jp morgan chase 
finances of a lot of these things to be bought. Like they were the big money providers for Twitter. So he, so Elon Musk could purchase Twitter. And when you can't make your payments, when you have to file for bankruptcy, guess what happens? JP Morgan Chase comes in and snatches it up. Um, I'm going to let my legal guys talk about JP Morgan and how they finance and put the money up for these businesses. And then they come right in these bed and baths and these companies. I'm going to let R square just talk about that. That because you know, the FDIC, First of all, how does the FDIC come in and just seize it? You know, they seize the bank. They don't necessarily seize it. What happens is the bank goes under because they uh, they report losses that exceed what they're able to handle. And the FDIC, as the government regulator, is a conglomeration paid for by the banking industry, not tax dollars. And uh, and and so you know, by contract for the banks to be an FDIC member, which gives, you know, people who make deposits into the banks the confidence to do that because then they're protected up to $250,000 per person. And so, you know, most of us don't have anything near that in a savings account. So it works out quite well. Uh, and, and so that's fine. But the, the deal is then that if, you know, when they suffer those type of losses and they can't, you know, meet their their requirements, then the FDIC is able to take control and then manage the payouts, manage the to keep the bank in business so that the investor, not the investors, but the depositors uh, don't lose out on, on you know, their savings and checking and what have you. So this is in the normal course of business. This is how the government protects the banking industry, but bank protects it on the on the, you know, to the interest of the individuals like all of us who <coughs> may have a savings account. And so you, the, the thing is, the FDIC is not a bank. They don't run banks. They're, they're an insurance. And so they're not going to take over Republic or anybody else and start running it. They don't. That's not their that's not their business. That's not what they do. They protect, you know, people like us. So we don't lose our, our, our accounts, our savings accounts. So, you know, in this case, what they can do is when First Republic or any other bank can't, uh, you know, can't function, Rather than just go out of business and everybody loses, they sell it to another organization, in this case, J.P. Morgan Chase, uh, and there are others out there, uh, so that they can keep the operation going and nobody loses, or at least nobody loses very much. Some of the investors might lose, but the account holders don't. And and that's the critical piece to this. That's, you know, that's everything we learned 100 years ago, so... So it's so this sale, so when they seize it, the sale has to, the turnover has to be pretty quick, right? So it doesn't bleed too much money is that what you're saying yeah, they don't really seize it they take control over the assets in the sense of they're protecting you know account holders mm -hmm. they don't seize the bank in other words they don't you know they, they they have limited ability and what they're doing is they're helping to facilitate a transfer or a sale uh, because it basically jp morgan chase bought the bank from first republic not from the fdic gotcha what, what the fdic does is they facilitate that sale. At, at favorable terms so that they don't have to pay out all that money per account holder. So it's in other words, they saved us. Well, they really saved the banking industry money, but they save us our money too. Right. Ken? The other thing you need to understand, all banks have what we call a CAMEL rating. A CAMEL rating is acronym stands for Capital Assets Management Equity and Liability, C-A-M-E-L. And banks are rated on a five to one scale. Five is the best, one's the worst. When you get down to uh, anything below a three, you're deemed to be in receivership. Basically, the FDIC, under, under the Emergency Banking Relief Act of 1934, allows the various regulatory agencies to put a bank in what we call receivership, 
What that means is the government comes along and acts as sort of a super manager. It says we're taking over the we're not taking over day-to-day -day operations, but we're taking over what we call strategic operations. And what they, as Rob said, they husband a sale to another financial institution. Well, a lot of times what they do is they go to that financial institution and say, hey, these are the assets on the books. We know they've got liabilities and they've got bad loans. We're going to guarantee those loans. So you won't have to take a loss. You'll pay the bank a reduced amount of money. So the investors get some money, but you then carry on operations. And these, these what well, well, these are called toxic assets. But these danger assets are now backed up by the FDIC. So if they if those people default, they the JP Morgan gets some money, not a hundred, not a dollar for dollar, but some money from the FDIC's account. As Rob said, what happens is all banks are required to uh, to pay a premium to the FDIC based on the amount of assets they have under management. That's put in. That's put into a huge fund, which allows is uh, the FDIC to function and to pay off depositors who, when banks go belly up, and for this type of thing. The idea behind it is it's it's sort of like a proactive amputation. If I can be so graphic, <laughs> think of think of First Republic as having an ineffective leg, gangrene. If we amputate part of the leg, we can save the rest of the bank, even though you lose your leg. That, as opposed to waiting for the the bank to fail, is basically the person would die. So that's exactly what first, as actually the FDIC is. Think of them as a surgeon coming in to save the patient by cutting off the leg and giving you a prosthetic. In this case, the prosthetic. Is J.P. Morgan Chase. I know it's a cruel analogy, but I think that's the best way I can sum it up. No, I, I think that was perfect. I think that was a perfect analogy of how to kind of describe it. And like I said, you know, people need to pay attention. J.P. Morgan Chase has been buying up everything that has pretty much started to fail or failed since COVID. Since COVID started taking a lot of businesses out, J.P. Morgan Chase, and they're a monster. They worldwide, J.P. Well, Morgan Chase is a monster. J.P. Morgan, the House of Morgan, as it used to be called back in the day, has a long history of being the lender, of, the private lender of last resort. Going back to the the early days of the Industrial Revolution, the J.P. Morgan actually loaned money to the government to keep it afloat. It's always been known to have the most capital, and they're called in, rightly or wrongly. We can, this is a whole separate conversation about whether they should have that much power and money, but they've been known as the guy to come in to clean up the financial mess. In fact, J.P. Morgan himself, the original guy, was hailed as a hero for a lot of times of coming in and bringing stability into the marketplace. Matter of fact, J.P. Morgan himself and his son, Jack Morgan, <coughs> he's known as Black Jack Morgan, were the original people who came up with the idea of the Federal Reserve System. The Federal Reserve System we have right now was created by J.P. Morgan and a number of other banks during the early 1900s. For all of its its benefits and for its deficiency, so we can blame them. But again, that's a whole wow. different show. We can talk about that for hours. <laughs> you, with what you just said, I'm like Jesus. Why has there never been a movie about J.P. Morgan if they're this powerful? Why is I squared anything you want to add to that one, real quick, on no, J.P. Morgan? There has been the, his, the History Channel did a three part series. Yes. Oh, really? Two hour sessions on all. Yes, that. and it was an about excellent a year or two one. Ago. Oh really? There had been there was there was an excellent book. I don't know if it's still in print that was written during the 30s called The House of Morgan, which details the entire history 
uh, the J the JP Morgan Trust, which now knows JP uh, JP Morgan Chase. Hmm. But if you ever want to get read a depressing book, read The House of Morgan. And if you ever watch Citizen Kane, there's a fictional character by the name of Thatch. Thatch is the stand-in for JP Morgan. So if you ever watch Citizen Kane. Okay. And Oscar, you said that was on the History Channel? That that yep. okay, I'm gonna have yes. to look I'll look it up. I'm gonna look that up. I do have the history channel. Um I'm gonna have to check that I, out. I've actually I've actually seen, it's not only just JP Morgan, but it's, it's all the financiers, uh the founding of Merrill Lynch. The founding of Goldman Sachs. And it actually talks about those individual people. It's excellent. Yeah. I strongly recommend it if you have any interest in that whatsoever. Goldman Sachs is another one when you talk about these people with power and elitists. It, it's crazy stuff. Um, also, in the legal booth, school staffers were charged with neglect after making a seven-year-old boy eat his own vomit. He was autistic. It was on film. Look, <laughs> don't let me be that parent. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let me be that parent. And before we get out of the legal booth, I got to revisit the story last week. I was kind of upset with people in my chat because I made a reference to this Facebook settlement. Facebook has been selling information. So as in TikTok and all these other ones, and now there's a big lawsuit, class action lawsuit. And last week I talked in the show about Facebook and how there's a lawsuit settlement and how everybody, if you fill out the form, you're going to be entitled to your $1.09. And I asked people in my chat, if you're a movie buff like me, what movie is the $1.09 from? And I said, you know what? If this was first Tuesday, I'm damn sure my guys, Ken and Rob, would know what movie that was from. Rob, do you know what movie that was from? No, I remember Better Off Dead, where it was, I need my my dollar, but yes, it wasn't a dollar and nine cents. Paperboy, but that's a different price value. That wasn't a dollar nine. Ken, don't let me down, because I said you would know. He needed, I like, am sorry, $2. I'm drawing a blank, and I'm probably going to kick myself when I hear it. Oh, my God. Steve Martin, the jerk, when he gets sued oh, for the octogram, and he has to write all the checks out in the class action yes, suit. Yes, oh, my God, the jerk. <laughs> he the octogram, right. Yes. Remember, he has to check to um, Iron Nuts Mahoney. <laughs> so for those who don't know this oh, movie. Oh, God, yes. It's it's a Steve Martin classic. It probably would be lambasted today. And what the premise oh, of the make it today. yeah, what the premise of the jerk was was that uh, Steve Martin is this white man who is grown up, but he was raised on down I south. Was born a poor black guy. He, he was he was born into a, a black family and raised by black people. So he was he considered himself black, but it was Steve Martin, this white guy. And um, there's a great scene where he's bought some property and the mafia comes in and says, we're going to go into this neighborhood. And we're going to get rid of the jigaboos and all this stuff. And Steve Martin says, sir, you are talking to an N word and beats all these mafia right. guys. But yeah. what happens is, is Steve Martin designs and comes up with this thing called the Optograb. For your glasses right. that you grab from the middle. The problem was was that um Carl Reiner, who made the movie, Carl Reiner opened up the class actions to his character because the optograb was in the middle of the glasses, so your eyes were constantly drawn. So everybody who had this optograb ended up cross-eyed, and it was a class action lawsuit that Steve's character lost. Um Nathan. Nathan was his name. Um right. 
And he lost this class action lawsuit. And after the lawyers got their fees, everybody had to be paid out one dollar and nine cents. (laughs) Great movie. Wouldn't be able to make it today, unfortunately. Oh, good God. No, no, there's no way you can make that movie today. No, no way. We were Cultural blessed. Appropriation, yeah. Violation of the ADA, yeah. Uh, you know the the drug and alcohol references. Just show them blazing saddles. <laughs> That's another one. Uh, Any entertainment booths? Let's talk about this real quick. Rest in peace, Jerry Springer, seventy nine years old, and and I saw some people they were saying. What's the big deal? I saw people saying, oh, he's whatever. He was the baby mama. A lot of people don't know the history. Jerry Springer was a mayor, (laughs) like (laughs) a legit mayor. Mayor of Cincinnati, as a matter of fact, in case you're wondering what the city was. Let him know, guys. Tell him this. He wasn't just this TV guy. This was a guy who was in politics. This was a guy who was known. I'm going to let Ken speak on it first, and then Rob can speak on it. Well, yeah. Uh, he was a, uh, he was a member of the city council in Cincinnati. Then he was mayor, and then he did a number of talk shows. And before Jerry Springer became the watchword for trash TV, he did a lot of really good shows. His early shows, believe it or not, I can't believe I'm saying this, was I think he is one of the indications of decline and fall of Western civilization. But a lot of his earlier shows asked hard hitting questions like "Deadbeat Dads." like women only making 63 cents on the dollar. What do you do with single parents? How do they afford health, childcare and healthcare and work at the same time? What are, what are the, you know, great gentrification is great. We're retaking these neighborhoods, but what do you do with poor, pe- poor people who can't afford housing? How are they going to deal with mass transit issue? People who don't have access to cars, uh, access to uh, high quality food, the obesity crisis. So he brought in a lot of things that we are now taking for granted. We talk it all the time, but he was the first one to do it before he became that, you know, you know, my father, I'm black and my father's a KKK wizard stuff. And, you know, my, 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 my husband's sleeping with my mother type of thing. But in the original shows, if you can believe it, I can't believe it until someone showed them to me, they were hard hitting stuff. So. They all, they all, a lot of those, a lot of those people from that era, they started out with the hard hitting. Anything you want to add on this one? Squid. No, that's exactly right. He was doing good stuff till he sold out. Sold out. Oh, R Squid says sold out. Um, the WGA people is on strike. Hollywood has gone on strike. The writers union. If you guys remember the last time the writers union went on strike, uh, they ran out of stuff two years into it, and that's when reality TV came, and we were we were blessed with the disaster of the Kardashian family. Um, so who will be the next? Kardashians, if this writer's strike goes long again, like it did the last time, guess what? It's going to be back to reality TV. And let's be honest here, people. Reality TV has gotten so famous that they have writers for reality TV now. Reality TV is no longer reality. Okay. okay. They reshoot right scenes there. and write no, no, stuff no, 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 now. No, no, no. Since you won, you know, I love you dearly, man. We've been friends for over 20 years, but I got to shut you down right now. What we're doing right now, you are doing what, you know, the colonel is doing what I'm doing. This is reality. What that is, is 
poorly scripted television written by people with the mental capacity of a five-year-old. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Originally, it did start out that's as reality, reality. And it's all this written now. <laughs> I, Ken Diesel, going Diesel on us. He's, he's there. I'm right. Um, it drives me crazy because I am sorry. I have... <laughs> there was an excellent journalist by the name of Linda Ellerby. I don't know if you ever remember. She worked for NBC News for a while. She wrote a book called And So It Goes. And she relates a story she had one time where a group of her colleagues had come over to her house and they're having drinks and talking about the benefits between uh, tape TV and live TV. And her son, who was probably 11 years old at the time, spoke up and said, no, this, referring to the Colossian people, this is live. That, pointing to the idiot box in the corner, that's television. <laughs> so I always, remember, I always remember that. So give, give that Mr. Ellaby his credit. Oh man! So yes. So again, if you didn't hear, the writers are on strike. Um, there's a lot of stuff in the pipe that's already been written and stuff. So hopefully, it doesn't last a long time. Um, they want a fair contract again. Streaming is this generation's streaming is is this? How can I say this for people to understand? Streaming is this generation's um, what do you want to call it? So so back in the day. When you had people like the Brady Bunch and stuff, the Lucille Balls and stuff, and they made their TV and they had their TV contracts, they didn't know anything about syndication. Streaming is the form of of syndication. So what right. happened is, is that Friends, the cast of Friends were the first to really do this. They made history. Before Friends holding out and going on strike and not and, and threatening to not do a season, what happened was, was that all those shows in the 60s and 70s that were getting rerun, 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 nobody was making money off it because nobody knew that syndication was going to bring in all of this money and all of this revenue to networks and things of that sort. So Friends realized that if your show goes three years, you you generate revenue. So they redid their contracts so they would get money off syndication. They were the first to do that, and that was historic. Um, streaming is the same thing now. Um, writers and, and camera people and things of that sort aren't getting their full money from streaming and they want it. So I agree with them. Um, streaming isn't going anywhere. It's here forever. Um, next week, I got a guest on the show, Joey Hawk reader. He's a comic book writer. Um, so I'm going to save these trailers because we're going to break down these trailers. But courtesy of Peacock, the Twisted Metal trailer was released, which is based on the Twisted Metal video game from years ago in the 80s. Gran Turismo, based on a true story, is also another trailer we're going to review next week. And the release of the Transformers Rise of the Beast trailer. And hey, Equalizer is back. Equalizer 3, Denzel Washington. We're going to review those trailers next week with Joey Hawkreader and a special surprise guest on my show. You don't want to mess it, miss it. But we're going to get into the sports booth. This week, we're going to talk. We're going to break down sports. We usually break down a lot of politics. We usually break down a lot of legal stuff which we will in biden's but we got this draft this crazy draft that happened this weekend i've said it before and i've said it again um you can't predict the draft anymore because free agency periods are just crazy um teams are making deals right up to the wire they signed lamar jackson just hours before the draft was supposed to begin and that threw the whole draft in the tizzy but before we get into this draft talk shaq barrett's three-year-old daughter uh 
two drowned in his pool, family pool down in Florida in Tampa Bay. Um, I, I don't know. Our squid is down there in Florida. I know, I know here in Massachusetts, you can't have a pool unless you have all the security fences and, and child proof, all that stuff up here. Is it different down in Florida? Cause I feel like this tragedy could have been averted, but laws are different. And in Florida, is it are, are pools wide open? Do they have the same restrictions we have up here? No, I mean they have they have some different restrictions down here. But the thing is, no matter how many of those restrictions you have, you know, terrible accidents are going to happen sometimes. And I mean that's really what this is. It was obviously a tragic accident, and you know you you can do all the all the gates and and protections and all that, but you know, somebody leaves it open or, or somebody climbs. It's just, it, nothing is going to be perfect. And it's just a horrible situation when, you know, to find your kid like that. Yeah. It's, it's sad. Tampa Bay put out a whole statement in regard to him. Uh, nobody wants to lose their daughter. Uh, here is the draft class for the Patriots. Um, Mr. Gonzalez was taken for the first round pick. He's a cornerback. He dropped into their laps. Keevon, Keon White, we'll talk about him, but the Patriots got a lot of great stories out of this lineup. They drafted a punter who was the photographer for his college team, and he got picked up as a walk-on, and now he's in the NFL. Um, the Patriots also drafted um, Isaiah Bailey. I think I think his last name is Bailey. Um, he Isaiah Bolden. He is the only player to get drafted from JSU, Jackson State University, which was coached by Coach Prime. He's the only player to be drafted from that JSU squad. Um, but you know, they drafted the kicker, they drafted a punter, they drafted a ton of wide receivers in the later rounds. They've got two solid defensive guys, and I'm very happy with the Patriots draft this weekend. Um, Belichick, you know, traded down. And still got the guy he wanted and still stuck it to the Jets, which was funny because he allowed the Steelers to move up and mess them up. Ken, your thoughts on the Patriots draft before we get into what the Giants did? Yeah, look, everybody always yells at Bill Belichick because they claim he doesn't know how to draft and he always proves them wrong. So I'm keeping my mouth shut. <laughs> I've been wrong every time I've criticized Bill Belichick for his drafting. And I've been proven wrong every time. So I'm going to keep my big fat mouth shut and say, okay, Bill Belichick's got six rings and I've got zero. Actually, he's got eight rings and I've got zero rings. So I'm going to keep my mouth shut. And the Giants, you know, they they had their moments in the draft too. Uh, the Giants, you know, just, you know, last year they were, they were a threat in the playoffs um, and then they got bounced. But uh, they if they can stay healthy and if their line can get built up, um it looks like they could have they could have another good team. Um, they drafted a running back. I'm going to let R Square talk about how their draft worked out. They they drafted some key spots. I see R Squared. Yeah, I think overall, I'm I'm very pleased with the Giants draft. I mean, unlike the Patriots, you know, I mean, just to comment on the Belichick thing. I mean, what what he does so brilliantly every year is he manages to pick up a lot of extra draft picks, and so it's a volume thing, right? So if half the picks crap out. They still have a bunch of good picks left that that is what people remember because you just cut the ones that don't. And and so, you know, that's that's a way of doing business. And it works for them because they pick enough good talent in the draft, plus the way, you know, bringing in other players that it works for them. You know, a constant rotation on the New England squad and and it, it worked for them for many years and they'll be back. 
you know, giants do it a little bit differently, but, you know, for them, uh, they, this year, obviously you've, you've got a new team in there, right. From last year. And uh, they did some good off season pickups, figured out what they, what they had figured out what was coming in, figured out what their priorities were going to be. And, you know, they went the first few rounds on getting, you know, shoring up, uh, you know, the let's what they call the non-skill players. Uh, of course, everybody is a skill player, but you know, the yeah. non-skill <laughs> players by label anyway. And uh, and they did a really good job on those. Those were so, some good picks that, you know, they looked like they could be ready to play and they'll shore up where the Giants need help. And then they picked up, you know, a couple of skill players later in the draft, uh, whether or not they wind up playing in the first, you know, they, they may or may not, they'll, they'll be, you know, special teams, practice squad, you know, we'll see where they start out. They're not expected to play the first year. But it's good to, you know, to kind of build up that team a little bit. So I think they did a good job overall. You know, it'd be great to sign Saquon. Uh, I think he's got to be a little bit more realistic. You know, he he has tremendous talent. He could be the best running back in the game, but he doesn't stay healthy. And you're not going to pay a guy who can't stay healthy. Now, yes, Lamar Jackson just kind of bucked the trend, but that's Lamar Jackson and that's the Baltimore Ravens and that's a different situation. But I think, unfortunately, for the Giants and Saquon, seeing that con I know he's a running back not a quarterback but seeing that contract only sort of inflated his expectations a little bit so he and his management team have got to get together and be a little bit more realistic the Giants want to keep him and they'll pay him good money but they're not going to pay him Lamar Jackson money they're not going to pay him you know the, because he hasn't proven his reliability yet now part of that is of course the Giants their biggest problem has been and the reason they couldn't go far in the playoffs last year was they simply could not you know, protect the ball. They, they couldn't do enough protection on offense still. That's been their problem. How many, how many years have we been talking about this? I come on the show, you know, every time we talk football and it's always the giants need O line help. The giants need O line help. They, you know, they, they, they took Nate Solder from the Patriots. That was one of the biggest mistakes since the Herschel Walker trade. And uh, you know, so that didn't work out, but this new team is doing a much better job. They did make some off season picks. They drafted. Well, I would expect the giants to make a big step forward. Now, look, nobody is stopping those Eagles. I know your son's an Eagle fan. Uh, you know, as a Giants fan, you have to hate the Eagles, but I don't hate the Eagles because they've built a really incredible team. Um, they can be fun to watch. They crapped out in the fourth quarter in the Super Bowl. They they could have won that game, probably should have won that game, but the defense crapped out. But anyway, mm -hmm. uh, the, the Eagles are the team to beat in the NFL this coming season. There's no doubt in my mind, especially after this draft. They were a beast in the draft. So for the Giants, look, it's all about beating Dallas twice, right? At least once, but better twice and and being competitive with Philly. This is not a Giants Super Bowl year. The Eagles are going to steal that NFC East and they're going to be the team to beat. They may win a Super Bowl finally. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, so I'm not I'm not saying Giants Super Bowl. I'm saying the Giants are going to take a big step forward this season. They're going to be good. They're going to be fighting for the playoffs and uh, we'll take it one step at a time. And you guys snatched up a, a, a nice defensive back, didn't you, like in the second or third round? You yeah. guys, yeah, you snatched up a very good defensive back, which is some help you needed. Um, the Saquon Barkley thing, too, like we said, you know, part of those injuries is because he had it in that offensive line. So, you know, you get it, you understand that. And, um, you know, one of the things that I saw in this draft, uh, Detroit. Detroit was should have made the playoffs and should have went deep last year. They were a really good team. Um, Detroit had one hell of a draft, and they really didn't lose any people this offseason. So I'm really looking forward to Detroit making some noise in the NFC. Um, the Jets, as we all know, last week have acquired 
um, Aaron Rodgers. Oh, go that's ahead. That's the question. That's the question. Oh, okay. Who agrees with me that that's going to be a colossal mistake for the Jets? I, I agree. I totally agree. Okay. The Jets have a long history of picking up high-end talent after the at the end of their career. Seriously, look at them. They have picked up more high-end talent at the end of their career and paid top dollar for them. And for people who don't realize this, the only guaranteed money in the NFL is signing bonus money, number one. So the signing bonus money that they're paying Aaron Rodgers is guaranteed money. Here's the problem with that, people who don't understand football from the financial perspective. If they only get one year out of Aaron Rodgers, guess what? Whatever they are paying him for a signing bonus is a cap hit until they pay him off. This is the same problem that happened with the Indianapolis Colts when they re-signed Peyton Manning and put all of his money into the signing bonus, and then what happened? Peyton Manning's neck got messed up, then they had to dump him, and he was down in Denver playing while the Colts were still paying out his mm -hmm. signing bonus money. You are absolutely, Rob, I completely agree with you. This is going to be another disaster in... This is the type of stuff that costs GMs their job, to be honest. This is these are the decisions. Yeah, but, but the Jets, the Jets do this all the time. I mean, I, I swear to God. They did this with Brett Favre. Remember, Brett Favre was a Jet <laughs> for, for five minutes. That's right. That's right. I mean, uh, when is the last top tier quarterback they had at the prime of his career? And don't say Joan Namath. Ken O'Brien. Okay, I'll give you that one. That was the I'll last good one. quarterback the Jets had. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yep, that, I'll give you Ken O'Brien. All right. Yep, I gotta agree to that one. Yep. Yeah, it wouldn't. Yep, it's a but huge disaster. Here's, there, here's two teams that I, I that I want to watch uh, this year. Number one are the Broncos, because <coughs> on paper they should have been AFC West champions last year. Yeah, Russell Wilson. I think the high altitude killed him. <laughs> right, and the other team is the Chargers. I think the Chargers. Chargers did really well in the draft this year. They did, and they and they were on the cusp last year of actually making of stopping the joke of the league. And I can't stand Spanos, so if I'm saying that, you know. And can't KC fans, even though the draft was in KC, KC fans weren't happy with their drafting. Um, but again, you you won a Super Bowl, you get the crap yeah. of the crap. To be honest, that's yeah. that's we, what the Patriots no, had for twenty KC years. Spencer passed. Who was okay? What well, first of all, what position did KC desperately need? Uh, they went they with another line. They yeah. got one of the best O lines in NFL, not NFL history. They got an excellent receiving core. They've got an outstanding secondary. Their run defense ain't the best, but it's respectable. Their running back core again, not the best, but respectable. And you got Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Who do they need to draft? Seriously, who do they need to draft? Well, you know what Give it is. Position. You know what it is. People people don't realize when you win a Super Bowl, you're you're at the bottom of the barrel when you draft, and people yeah. don't realize that there's not As much it there. It, it, you, you, it's it slim be. pickings, you know? Um, <clears throat> also, I talked about Keon White. People were bashing Keon White, who was drafted by the Patriots. He's a defensive end. And people were bashing him because he was caught on camera because he showed no emotion. He didn't care. He wasn't excited. And I said to people, then you're not a true Patriots fan because here's the deal. That's the type of guy Belichick wants. 
Belichick right. don't want showboaters. Belichick didn't want the guy with the ice down the here on draft day. Belichick wants that guy that, and like Keon said, Keon said it best. He says, I'm getting picked. It's time for do business. That's what he said. It's time for business. And 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 I loved it. I loved the fact that he said that. I love the fact that he is an all business guy. This is the type of guy that three, four years down the road, Belichick is saying, this is my favorite player. That's, that's the type of guy Keon White is, you know, because I did watch this draft and that was my son. My son picked on me because I said something about all the gold that the guys was wearing and I'm. And my son was like, well, it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. But for me, I'm old school. You haven't done nothing yet. That's how I am. Right, Rob? You got That's drafted, right. but you haven't done nothing yet. They put up a great stat during the draft. And guess what, people? This was a scary stat. The NFL, during the draft, they put up a stat. Only 1% of those drafted in the first round are still in the NFL or last long in the NFL. The fourth and later round players, 60-something percent remain in the NFL. That's So your no-names, your non-sexy schools, a guy like Troy Brown for the Patriots who played both sides of the ball, he didn't come from a sexy school. Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy's another one. Yep. Tom Mr. Brady. Irrelevant. Tom Brady. Well, Tom Brady was at Michigan. That was his, Michigan's a sexy school. <laughs> Michigan's yeah, but a, when was he was picking? Yeah, what round was he picked in? He was he was Mr. Irrelevant. He was in the last round. Right. He was sixth round. So, yeah. But, yeah, but, but, but remember, but Michigan was time, a sexy school. Yeah, but Michigan was a sexy school only because of its of, of its legacy. At the time, it was not it, <clears> it was not a Top ranked team. It wasn't mm. in Alabama. It wasn't a Georgia. It wasn't a Texas. It was in the Big Ten and had the famous legacy game of, of, of Michigan versus OS, OSU. But it wasn't a powerhouse. Mm. Okay. Well, in in Square just nailed it. And, you... th- and this is talking from from the son of a Michigan <coughs> alumni who will probably spinning her grave right now. But I had, I'm going to get a gall to bash Big Blue. <laughs> uh, also, people. Man, oh man, oh man. The Panthers eliminated the Bruins in game seven. I watched this game. And not only did the Panthers eliminate the Bruins in the game seven shocker in overtime, the next night, the next night, the Celtics dropped game one in Boston to the Philadelphia 76ers. And all of a sudden I said, you know what? Maybe we need to take a bundle or a bushel of sage and get it down to TD Bank North Garden and smoke sage all through so we can get rid of the bad juju. Because right now, I feel like John McClain in Die Hard 2 when John McClain says this. How can the same, this happen to the same guy twice? How can the same damn thing happen to the same guy twice? That is how I feel. Um, and again, as I said, the NFL draft was a success. But we got to get into We got 15 minutes left. Let's get into these Biden bombshells. And I got to get into it. Um, I got to talk to Rob. As you guys know, Rob writes his articles and pieces 
off over on the website. Rob, you want to just mention where you write your articles at so people can check it out, please? Yeah, check out the quarter. You can get the link on Facebook and through the show. And Rob is down there in Florida. And, you know, the news out of Florida. First of all, let's before we get into some of this other stuff, let's get into the Disney discussion, because we did talk about this Disney stuff early, early on. And the latest thing here with Disney and Rob will touch base on it with us first is DeSantis is now trying to purchase property near Disney so he could put prisons. And Disney has turned around and Disney has said, oh, well, guess what? We're going to court. And they went to Tennessee and they filed paperwork against DeSantis. So this is the first thing that I want to talk about. Mr. Governor DeSantis, um, Rob, can you just elaborate on this one here for us? Because we we talked about this whole Disney thing, and you know Disney got this land. You know they they took yeah, land I mean, that nobody could use. Yeah, we won't go through the history because we spent a long exactly. time going yes, through the did. history la- last time, and so I think people can remember that or go listen to that show from a month ago. But the uh, the issue is that right before the original board was replaced by the DeSantis personally selected board his cronies, uh, Disney was able to get enacted a series of uh, a series of, of rules that basically allowed them to maintain some of the power and authority that they had before the new board took over. And so the new board took over and they attempted to nullify those rule changes from the previous board, saying that the board lacked the authority to do it, they didn't follow proper procedures, that Disney was just trying to prevent this new board from exercising authority. Well, (laughs) yes, they were. I mean, of course they were. That's the right answer. Um, And so it's going to be an interesting legal issue because, you know, that's an issue under, you know, Florida law. And of course, the courts are packed here with DeSantis and Scott appointees. Uh, and and so they're not necessarily competent jurists. Some of them probably are, but many of them are not. And uh, so it'll be very interesting to see how that case progresses. Um, now, Disney filed suit in federal court, which, of course, has a slightly different caliber of judges. Um, and that is basically on a you know claim of retaliation and discrimination by the governor against their corporate interests, uh, that'll be somewhat interesting. You know, it, there's, uh, it, it's interesting because in DeSantis's book, you know, he's been going around the country and around the world promoting his book, if people don't remember that or follow mm-hmm. that in the news. And one of the chapters in his book was how he retaliated against Disney. He wrote it. He put it in writing. <laughs> he actually said in his book, that he yes. was retaliating against Disney because <laughs> Disney had the gall to oppose the parental rights bill, the, what they call don't say gay bill uh, colloquially here. And uh, and so he said it in his book. He wrote a whole chapter oh. about it, thinking, thinking that he was going to be this big hero that took down a so-called woke corporation. And of course, that's not what's happening. Disney has tremendous support. DeSantis is losing support in the state of Florida, not to mention nationally and internationally. His recent world trip was a bust. His trips around the country are a bust. He's losing in the polls, not gaining. And more importantly, he's losing popularity in Florida. Now, he's already in a second term, so it doesn't matter. But he's losing even support within the state of Florida. Wow. Um, And and so it doesn't matter. I don't know what, you know, whether or not he runs for president, 
has yet to be seen. I'm not convinced that he's running. But the issue is, you know, whether he has aspirations beyond this, I don't know, because he, he could never be <clears throat> Scott or, or Rubio in a primary. And so there's no place for him to go. Uh, so it'll be interesting if he has any aspirations. He may he may want to join a future Republican administration in some capacity, maybe the anti-Disney czar or something stupid like that, you know, <laughs> because he's a dunce, you know, so he could wear the dopey hat. Right. And that would be, you know, that would be pretty much, you know, for him. And so, yeah, Ken just Ken just prompted the thing that I was going to say is what's interesting about that. Uh, is something that I would have normally disagreed with, but, uh, you know, because I disagree with the Supreme Court decision in Citizens United, but the Citizens United case that says corporations have the legal status of an individual means they have the right of free speech. And the Supreme Court wrote that case, meaning you can't restrict the amount of money corporations could give a campaign, well, you know, which, uh, which is how they nullified the work that John McCain and, and Russ Feingold and, and other bipartisan members of the Senate did to do campaign finance reform and get some of the corporate money out of politics. Citizens United, as most people know by name anyway, is the case that overturned that. And so by the Supreme Court saying that a corporation has the status as an individual, then, you know, they have the right to, to express an opinion on a piece of legislation. Oh. Now, I think I said this last time, Disney regardless of whether they have a right to do that, it doesn't even matter. It's not even the real issue. It's it's just an interesting piece that Citizens United is going to come back to bite these folks in the butt. But the the interesting thing is, you know, Disney spoke out on behalf of its 80,000 employees. They have 80, between 80 and 100,000 employees mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. Florida. They have obviously many more around the world. Eighty to, the, Disney pays the state of Florida $1.5 billion in taxes per year. They're the uh, third largest employer in the state of Florida. This is not somebody you mess with if you care about your state economy, you know, for jobs and, and, a, and a revenue base and everything else. But the, the the piece there was, you know, Disney, because they have a lot of cast members, a lot of arts members in the cast and what have you, they were very offended by what they saw as anti-LGBTQ, uh, you know, provisions in DeSantis's legislation and not just the parental rights and education bill, but some of the other bills that have been passed. And they demanded that Disney say something about it to show support for their employees, many of whom were LGBTQ because they come from the arts, which is very heavily influenced by the LGBTQ community and what have you. Uh, and so, you know, that's what they did. Disney spoke up on behalf of its employees, uh, which to me is responsible corporate you know, ownership, so to speak. Um, and DeSantis way overplayed his hand. He wrote in the book that, oh, we're trying to stop this woke corporation. They're trying to indoctrinate the minds of kids. Disney doesn't indoctrinate the mind of kids. My goodness, it's Mickey Mouse, for goodness sake. Come on now. And, you know, girls want to be princesses, maybe, although maybe you're not allowed to say that anymore. I don't know. But, you know, people like to emulate some of the heroes and, and cast members of, of the famous villainies uh, stories. There's no indoctrination in Disney stuff. Give me a break. I mean, if they want their workers to have equal rights, that has nothing to do with the movies and books and stories. And, you know, it's just they way overplayed their hand. And so... Even, you know, I mean, strange bedfellows here, but even Senator Scott and Senator Rubio came out and distanced themselves from DeSantis, saying, DeSantis, boy, did you strike out, leave Disney alone. So, well, you know, that just so shows you how bad a mistake it was. Some states have already reached out to Disney, and I know I know Disney is 99% not going. They're not moving. They wouldn't go anywhere. And years but, and years and years to build. But, DeSantis will be long gone before that could happen. But if they were... How disastrous would that be for, for, for Governor DeSantis? It would be 
career decimation, I would say, for him if they were yeah. to just. It, it just. By the way, I do want to point out one of the things. <clears throat> this is something I did not mention last month that DeSantis keeps saying that Disney wants special treatment. They want to play by rules that no other corporation gets. That is a, that is an absolute lie. One of many told by DeSantis. He's kind of oh. like Trump that, you know, how do you know if he's lying? Cause his lips are moving, but the, <laughs> the, but the issue is, well, it's true. These people, are, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is the difference between traditional Republicans and MAGA. MAGA doesn't know what truth and facts are. They're a bunch of despicable liars. Uh, and, and, you know, traditional Republicans, you know, have, 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 have points to make. They have legitimate arguments, whether we agree or disagree. And, and so anyway, the, the point is that Daytona Speedway has all kinds of special privileges and a zone just like Disney has. And, and there, are other, um, there are other entities around the state that have the same type of special zones, not, maybe not to the fullest extent because of the special historical significance that we talked about a month ago with Disney and the Swampland that mm-hmm. they inherited, I mean, that they bought. But, the, but there are Bat-lands. plenty of examples in the state of Florida where corporations get these special zones. So stop making up stories there, Ronnie boy. Man, oh man! And anything you want to add on the on the Disney discussion, Ken? The legal. Oh part? yeah, if if I may, a couple of it. things. <clears throat> Number one, and as I prompted Rob, one of the small things that came out of Citizens United that almost nobody, except for my, you know, except for my Jewish brethren who are lawyers for Disney, picked up, and give it to Disney's lawyers. I'm going to say something. I can say this because Rob and I remember the are members of the tribe. <laughs> All of DeSantos' lawyers are all these right-wing Christian evangelical lawyers who got the, combined have got the uh, IQ of a small kitchen appliance. <laughs> Disney went out and hired members of the tribe. And there's a reason you do that. Because we will end your life. And we will do it in three different languages. English, Hebrew, and Yiddish. And if you got a really smart one, I'll throw an Aramaic. One of the things that the Citizens United decision has said, and it hasn't been tested yet, was when you gave corporations the right to personhood, that also means they get all the civil rights protections that a normal person does. So if the government violates Disney's civil rights, they can be held accountable. And what you don't know about the Civil Rights Act of 1964 is that if a government official violates an individual's civil rights, he can be held or she can be held personally liable. Mm-hmm. That is almost <clears throat> never used, but it's there. And if you read the lawsuit Disney filed in federal court, they named DeSantos personally. And they are asking for DeSantos to reimburse them for their legal fees. Mm. I have a friend of mine who is a lawyer in Florida, other than Rob. I know I know more than one Jewish lawyer in Florida. I know Chuck, <laughs> who pointed it out to me. Who because he is a right, he's a right, well, he's not a right winger. He's at what Rob would call a traditional Republican conservative. He's a libertarian. Minimal government, doesn't believe in all these regulations. But at the same time, doesn't believe that people should be telling you if to have an abortion or who to sleep with, whatever. 
And he was a big proponent of Citizens United. And I get in arguments with him all the time about this. And then he pointed out, oh, by the way, Disney is using Citizens United in their lawsuit against DeSantos. And as Rob pointed out, most eloquently, in his book, DeSantos said, yeah, I went out and did it. So there you go. You've got a confession. DeSantos just made a confession that he violated Disney's civil rights. That is called being stupid in the first degree. And oh, by the way, if I can also extend upon uh, Rob's point, many people were critical of the Reedy, of the Reedy Creek uh, Improvement District. I believe that's his formal name. Rob, correct me please if I'm wrong. As well, this was usurping the powers of the government and all the Santos was doing was clawing back some power. And as Rob pointed out, these development districts are very common in Florida. Here's the problem. This is another problem my friend pointed out. This is him, not me. And he's a lot closer to this. In Florida, it is against Florida law, as against the law in Massachusetts, to treat similarly situated people differently. Meaning if you have a law that says all bar, I'll give me an example. Let's say Brockton passes a law that all bars have to close at 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. which I think is the closing time in Brockton. Mm-hmm. You can't then go to Joe Angelo's or what was the place Frank used to hang out? Oh, man. The Cape Verdean place. I, I, I forget the name of it. It was on Montello Street, but I do yeah. know what you were talking about. Okay. Because Joe Angelo's and the other place, Church Cape Verdeans, we're going to make them close at midnight. You can't do that. When you treat Reedy Creek differently, this is also creating big problems with women. Now you've got to treat everybody else the same and strip their powers as well. <clears throat> if not, it's unequal enforcement, which is one of the grounds Disney is suing upon. Say, hey, we're being singled out. You can't do that. Again, this is from another member of the tribe who's conservative saying that. So I think DeSantos has managed to shoot himself in the foot because nobody, nobody, and I mean nobody, picks a fight with Disney and wins. And let me say this. Mm. I've got a relative. My younger brother, Michael, works for Disney. He works for ESPN, which, as you know, is owned by Disney. Mm-hmm. And the only thing Disney cares about, and all due respect to the House of Mouse and the most magical place on the on planet and all that other crap, is making money. <laughs> it's all about the dollars. The only thing they're indoctrinating their kids to do is get their parents to bring them to Disney World and spend money on everything. And as someone who has been to Disney World and spent way too much money on crap that I don't need, I'm, you know, I'm one of those people. I have spent more money on more Disney crap, including my Disney races and my food there. I have bought the, you know, Sister Sister One, have you ever been to Disney World? Nope. I've got to go. It's on my bucket list. Okay. One of the things you will notice is they they put they create food in the mouse ears in the most unique ways. They find ways of making a Disney pretzel in the form of a mouse. There's something <laughs> called the the, uh, the Mickey bar, which is an ice cream bar, which is a vanilla ice cream bar covered in chocolate in the form of mouse ears. Okay, that standard vanilla chocolate bar, which you can get at any Walmart, probably costs you a buck. At seven at Disney World, it's seven bucks. Actually, not bad. I've stayed I've stayed on Disney properties. Because I want to have the experience. I've done the Disney Springs, which is a giant outdoor mall. Trust me. 
if Disney could figure out a way of making making money by being glot kosher, they do it in a second. <laughs> oh man, funny stuff. And real quick, Rob, there's a ton of other bills. And it's at, we're at eight o'clock, so I don't want to get into all of them. But there's a ton of other scary bills that he's passed that people have been talking about on social media. Um, you know, things involving the critical race theory, things involving transgenders. Uh, the most recent one I kind of agree with: um, death penalty for child murderers. Um, that was his most recent bill that he signed. Um, if you're convicted of a murder of a child, um. You're going to see the death penalty. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, he's pushing a lot of it bills was, through. Death penalty is already authorized for all murders, whether it's a child or not. This was for sexual assault of a child. Okay. All right. That it was extended for. And that is based on, I mean, it doesn't happen. Thankfully, it doesn't happen that, you know, that often. It's based on a case called Kennedy versus Louisiana from 2008, I think it is, which is a horrific case uh where you have a stepfather who uh brutally raped his nine-year-old stepdaughter left her to die like to bleed to death when she didn't die he concocted a story that some neighborhood kids did it and anyway it's a grotesque gruesome thing this this girl is scarred for life physically emotionally in every possible way but she did live so he was sentenced to death. The Supreme Court overturned it because in the 1977 case of Coker versus Georgia, the Supreme Court said that in order to have a capital sentence, in order to execute somebody, they had to have committed a murder as part of their criminal enterprise. And so if you don't have a death, you can't execute. And so the uh, Kennedy versus Louisiana case was overturned by the U.S. Supreme Court, consistent with the 1977 case even though it was, you know, 30 years later, they, they upheld that principle. And so um, this, this type of factual scenario, a lot of people would say, as the dissent in that, it was a 5-4 case. And so the dissent in that case, the Kennedy versus Louisiana case, said, you know, yeah, how is this case any less heinous than, than a murder where the victim might not have ever known it was happening? You know, an, inst- <clears throat> an instant death kind of thing. Right, right. A, a person whose life is shattered, who is destroyed, a nine-year-old girl. And so a lot of people say, yeah, qualitatively, if you're going to have capital punishment, there are people who oppose it no matter what. That's a different issue. But if you're going to have it, why is this not authorized compared to a murder that could be painless, right? Mm-hmm. So so that's the issue. So a lot of people are saying you know, that they don't necessarily disagree with that aspect. The other thing that he did, though, in this legislation, and remember, when we say DeSantis, it's not DeSantis, it's the Florida legislature, or, the, or, or as we call it, the House of Idiots. And oh, um, oh, ouch. Well, because Florida has been a one party state for almost 30 years now. And so instead of having responsible Republicans running for office, they have a bunch of clowns because all you have to do is win the primary and you and they have massive control of both houses of the legislature. And so they don't do anything. Right. right? They don't right. have any real debates. <clears throat> the, the Democrats aren't allowed to introduce legislation. It's, it's crazy. So the, so the issue is that uh, they just pass all this stuff, right? They don't they don't care. They just pass mm. it all. But the other piece of this bill is that the the other aspect of the death penalty is that the jury has to be unanimous. And what this legislation does is it says it doesn't have to be unanimous. It just needs to be a supermajority of 10, 10 out of 12. And uh, and so that's the issue that is more contentious, because 
regardless of the, the heinous nature of a child, uh, you know, uh, you know, child sexual abuse kind of thing, aggravated sexual abuse. People might not oppose that change, but the, the lack of a unanimous verdict by a jury is going to and the Supreme Court is may very well overturn that. Now, the current state of the U.S. Supreme Court, they may not. I mean, they may smell that this case is ripe to overturn uh, other Supreme Court precedent, that this court will overturn those precedents that required a unanimous verdict. And so that will be a very interesting one to watch. I mean, you know, regardless of your opinion on capital punishment, there are a lot of arguments for and against a lot of people very passionate <clears throat> on both sides. But the, uh, the interesting thing is the safeguards in the process that allows us to even consider it under the Eighth Amendment. Um, this this case, this lack of a of a unanimous verdict by the jury is what's going to um, is what's going to get, you know, significant uh, appellate review up to the Supreme Court. And that's what I think will be very interesting to watch. I'm 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 watching to see those cases get filed. First, it has to happen and then somebody has to challenge it up. And so it may take 15, 20 years to get up there. But uh, I, I, it's going to be very interesting to see. Wow. We're, we're at 805. We got a ton of people in the chat. What's going on? Sue, what's going on, Chris? What's going on, Dave? <clears throat> Steve Reader is watching. Uh, Steve Reader made the comment. Um, but yet they let drag shows go on in elementary schools. Well, the last time I heard a drag show um, go on in well, elementary school, kids when didn't get there killed. There's never been one. There hasn't. There are not <laughs> drag shows in elementary schools. Yes. Just, okay, hold on a second. Let me just say, let's, let's, let's stop this drag show nonsense. If you've ever watched a Bugs Bunny cartoon, you've seen a drag show. Because virtually every Bugs Bunny cartoon has Bugs dressing up as a woman. Tom and Jerry. Yep. Tom and Jerry. Fred Flintstone and Barney. If you watch MASH, Jamie Farr made a career out of being a drag queen. Okay? First of all, I don't think that, that, a, that a elementary schools would understand the joke. One of the things you need to understand when you look at a drag show, you need, need to get the joke. At the, all, that the elementary kids probably think there's a bunch of ugly women up there. They're not going to understand it. It's like critical race theory. All the, oh, we can't teach critical race theory to elementary students. No, you, of course you can't because they wouldn't understand it. Okay, you moron. In order for you to understand critical race theory, you need a background in economics, law, history, political science, and um, anthropology. So your average 10-year-old is not going to understand it. It's like explaining physics to a second grader. I don't care how bright the kid is, unless he's Sheldon Cooper, he's not going to get it. So this crap, for God's sakes, why don't you worry about a real problem? All right? The, how about the shocking rise of juvenile diabetes, the shocking level of obesity in our, in our kids, the fact that some of our kids... Um, are so dysfunctional they can't get out of their own way without looking at their freaking cell phone. Okay, I'm more concerned about that than drag shows. I mean, well, here's, here's the issue. Obviously, there are no drag shows in elementary schools. None of this stuff is in elementary schools. Teachers wouldn't even support it. I mean, it's not even a thing, right? So you know, so people in Florida. I mean, this is a Florida thing, right? They're passing all these bills. This is what Keith was asking about. You know, Florida, the, the legislature, because they don't want to do anything real, they're passing all this legislation for stuff that doesn't happen. So like, 
does anybody really care that that you can't have a drag show in an elementary school or you, or you can't bring a minor? I mean, people don't really care about that per se. It's it doesn't happen that frequently. It's not that big of a deal. But here's here's what's interesting about it, right? Okay, so let's say that we we care about school. You know, the the what goes on in schools. I think I think most people do care about what goes on in schools. We want kids to learn. We want kids to to be in a safe environment. So if 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 we're concerned about harm being done by drag shows, how about all these people finally giving a flying crap about uh, AR-15s going into schools and murdering school kids? Why don't you care about that? Tell me why you don't care about that. You care about because... a guy in a dress, but you don't care about someone who shoots up an elementary school. Shame on you. Because you because as you know, Rob, <clears throat> the only the only solution for a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun, and that Second Amendment, which is the only amendment that counts. Don't you people know anything? Look, Steve. Steve Reader is in the chat. Do you think it's okay for minors to go? There's a whole different show or eight or nine. But Steve, you know, you, you you're talking about drag shows in schools, and you know, you're worrying again. You're worrying about the wrong thing because I don't ever see. I know they've had some drag stars who read stories to kids at story time. I don't see a problem with that. The kids pretty much don't know that the person's a drag queen. The problem here is, is that I haven't seen any <clears throat> drag shows that we are dragging black body bags out of. You know, you know, there's more kids okay. killed by guns th th and is, mental this illness this idiotic, in this country. This is this idiotic culture war crap the Republicans are, are gliding on to because they can't talk about anything else. But I'd like to do a quick throwback if I can, Mr. Sinister. Go for it. <clears throat> Do you remember a couple of years ago, almost 20 years ago, the right was was up in arms about flag burning. Remember, they want a constitutional amendment against flag burning. Do you guys mm -hmm. all remember that? Yep. Now, I personally think flag burning is disgusting. And I think if some group of veterans kicked the crap out of you, I'd defend the veterans for free. But that's an issue for another day. But remember, remember the whole crisis? Has, have you heard anything about flag burning recently? No, because the no. people are burning flags. Right, exactly. Thank you. Steve Reader is in the chat. Oh my God, this is we're at eight ten. We we can't be going back and forth. But he says, I worry about too many things at once. You had five transgender people killed. Many people know there was only one transgender person who killed people in a mass shooting. Um, that was the 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 most recent one was was a transgender person. I don't know why you're bringing that up when we've had. Oh, oh okay, okay. Oh, oh, go ahead, Ken. You're about that. Go okay. ahead, Ken. Okay. Go, okay. go ahead, Ken. Hold on a second. No, but now you're pissing me off. <laughs> now you're pissing me off. If you look at the mass shootings since 1980, and we let's define what a mass shooting is. White males. To the FBI statistic: a mass shooting is any shooting that is done with a firearm. Where more than more than five people or more die as a result of one single event. Okay, so we agree on that's the definition. How many white male Christian shooters have there been versus people of color, women, Middle Eastern extraction, and Let's call them let's call them non-binary, okay? Do you want to look at the list? Do we shall we? 
<laughs> Can we talk about Gary Gilmore? You know who Gary Gilmore was? You guys remember? Let's talk about the son of Sam in New York. Actually, that was 77, so that's pre-1980. Oh, can't do that. I'm violating my own rules. Bad Kenny. Sorry. Let's talk about the shooting in, in the McDonald's in California. Let's talk about the, uh, the the guy who shot up that black church in South Carolina. What was his name? The, the young white kid. Yep. Yep. Right. Dylan Roof. Yep. Thank you. What about the guy who shot up that uh, that country synagogue. music show a couple of the yep. synagogue one at the synagogue in, in Pittsburgh? Got okay, Buffalo. You got the Buffalo shooting in New York. You got the shooting right here in Massachusetts. Who he rented a U-Haul truck? The white supremacist kid here in Massachusetts. Right. Let's okay, and while this is technically not a shooting because it was an explosive device, look at Timothy McVeigh. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And and Steve, I see you in the chat. Um, I've we've been said I've said this on the show that the majority of these shootings, mass shootings, most of the people do have mental issues, and that's the bigger that's the bigger problem. Mental 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 health issues number one, and that's why you saw the video at the beginning of the show because May is Mental Health Awareness Month. But also, like I said too, irresponsible gun owners. Sandy Hook could have been avoided if the mother had locked up the gun. And she didn't lock it up properly, and she unfortunately she unfortunately lost her own life because she didn't lock it up properly. Um, we had another mass shooting where the parents bought the kid the firearm at Walmart for his 16th birthday after after the school had already suspended him for making violent threats against other students. Okay, I'll get one better. This is this is pre nineteen eighty. Do you know do any Either one of you, well, Rob knows this. I'm going to bet Dallas on it. But a gentleman by the name of Charles Whitman. I remember that. That's the one of the ones that the Marine talks about in Full Metal Jacket, correct? Right. Very the college, good. The college shooter, correct? Exactly. Charles Whitman was a Marine Corps veteran who was thrown out of the Marine Corps because he was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, was able to buy unlimited amount of weapons, climbed to the uh, to the tower of the University of Texas, Austin, and opened fire on people randomly. Again, that was pre-1980, so I'm not violating my own rule, but I'm saying that guy was white, middle-class, military veteran, crew cut, clearly identified as male, who, who murdered his wife and mother before with a knife. He didn't shoot them, he stabbed them, and then did that. I, I love when people move, I love when people move the goalposts when you stop making great references and he says Steve Rita just said stay in the century. <laughs> that's typical okay. that's typical MAGA. Huh. <laughs> stop moving the goalposts. <laughs> no, he's not okay. saying he Steve Rita says, so you think it's white people that's the problem, not mentally ill yes. people? Yes. I do. I am more scared. I uh, swear to God. The, the amount of mass shootings there are, if you break it down by gender and race, 98% are white men. That That is a statistical certainty. When's the last time you heard a black, black woman Muslim going out with an AR-15 or an or a modified AK-47, or, or a modified M-14 mowing people down in the sidewalk. 
Tell me when. You didn't because most of them are getting shot during traffic stops. They don't have the time to right, shoot somebody. Exactly. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just being so real. I'm if, sorry. If no, I'm sorry. Me, I, I, get, I get this crap all the time in court. Uh, people in a high crime area, they fit, fit a certain profile. Rob and I are probably fit the profile of a mass of a serial killer more than you. Do you realize that? Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's history has proven that. We're both single. We're both single. We both have access to weapons. We're both white. We both have been in long association with criminals. And, and see, and Ken and these guys, they're, they're attorneys, they're allowed to have their opinion. For me, I've always said mental health is the number one reason for the mass shootings. I've, I've, I'm, I, and I've said that on this show. It's, um, it's actually not, though. And, and you guys study, know that. Yeah, you guys know this more than me because you guys are the study out there that suggests. No, it's not. Obviously, people can have mental health issues. Mm-hmm. But as far as causation, it's only about 10 yeah. percent really? of the mass shootings are caused by mental health Look, crisis. Ten percent. I'm not arguing. You, you, you guys know it. I mean, you guys have been right. in the legal system, so, you know, I deal with mentally ill people all the time. The people that have, that do criminal activity because of a mental illness don't have the wherewithal to plan a mass shooting. Okay? These are the people who are going to run around naked with a knife claiming about the Illuminati. And they're going to do it on a moment's notice. They're not going to go home, load a bunch of weapons, pick a spot, and start shooting. Okay? I'm defending a gentleman right now who lost his stuff. He was He's homeless. He was in... Uh, Harvard Square, <clears throat> and he was convinced these Indian people were talking crap about him, and he went berserk on them. He claims he could hear them in Harvard Square. For those of you who don't know, it's a very noisy place in the middle of the day. He claims he could hear them from across the street talking crap about him, and he went over there and started punching them. I'm not laughing at you. I'm just I'm I'm laughing at no. the person who's in our chat right now. I'm not sure if you guys can see the chat. <laughs> I can't see. I I can't. <laughs> yeah. Steve Rita says, what cities have the highest crime rates? All white cities or all black cities? This is well now, well, now you're getting into the hold, hold on a second. Well that, that, that well it depends on first of all per capita. You've got per capita per capita or yeah. population. Yeah, you are can't. you talking violent crime? Are you talking property crime? Are you talking drug crime? It's, I wouldn't even, I, I wouldn't even look. <laughs> I wouldn't even I wouldn't even <laughs> Steve, I love you, man, but man. It's a, it's a general okay. question, bro. Okay. Uh, hey, You're- Steve, I got news for you. There is not one major urban area in this country that has a majority black, uh, majority people of color population. All of them are white. It's white. If you look at, I don't care what city, name a city. Austin. He's, he's going to say. Ma- Austin, there are more white. Why oh, he's up, he's talking. He says he's 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 clarifying. He's talking shootings. Okay. Okay. Fine. Well, that's, that's good. He's narrowed it down to using shootings. And we'll define shootings by using a firearm only, not crossbows or anything else like that. There are no cities in the United States, no major urban areas. Chicago. I will define a major urban. No, Chicago is majority white. Okay. 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 Let, let's look. Let, let, let's, 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 let's crank up the Google machine. Okay. Because this, he's got a good point. But Chicago has been bad since the 30s. Chicago has been 
the highest crime ridden because it's so corrupt because they've never gotten rid of the corruption that's been in Chicago since the 30s, since Prohibition. That crime infested stuff that's going on today has been going all the way back to the 1930s. Y'all saw the movie The Untouchables. Y'all saw all of these things about the 30s and Prohibition. Chicago has been that way forever. Okay. Chicago, according to this, Chicago is 45.3% white, 29.2% black or African American, 0.5% American Indian or or Alaska Native, uh, 6.8% Asian, uh, two or more race mix, 7.4%, Hispanic or Latino, 28.7%. Yeah. So, Chicago, if you want to pick out Chicago, that's a majority white city. Crazy. It, w- hey, we're at 821. We got to wrap this up. Steve, Rita, I, I hate to say this, but if I'm giving the shirt away this week, even though we we don't agree or, or we agree to disagree, um, you would be the guy that would win a shirt this week because um, you're in the chat and you, you got to pop and you got a lot of people popping now in the chat that... <laughs> Felicia Damon just told him to sit down. <laughs> I would I would play that, but he can speak his mind. He can speak his opinion. Um, but we got to get ready to get out of here. It's, H- it's 821. Steve, thank you. Man, come on the show at 8 o'clock again. These guys are on the first of every month, the first of every Tuesday. Uh, Steve Rita says, who is doing the shootings in Chicago? Look it up, Steve. The shoot—it's all over the place. The shootings that are happening, and again, Chicago has been this way since the '30s. It's—it this is nothing surprising. The South Side of Chicago has been that way when Obama was in Chicago. It's—it's. It, it's, go ahead. I see you, Rob. To be to be fair to Steve's point, what he's—I think what he's saying by crime statistics is you have a higher proportion of black-on-black shootings, black-on-black violence, than <clears throat> their proportion of the population. Mm-hmm. That's what Steve's point is, and it is factually correct. Now, you can the, the issue is what is the causation? What are all the issues that contribute to that? Why is that the case? And that's a, that's a sociology and criminology, you know, thesis paper that people, you know, spend years doing studies on that. It's a fascinating topic. Um, so Steve, Steve is, I think that's what Steve's getting at. And he's not wrong factually. The, he is, the issue is, he, the he, complication is, why is that? He just said, amen. Well, so he just, the, he, the other issue is the, uh, as Rob said, is the vast majority of victims are also people of color. Right. Okay. We're, <laughs> we're talking about mass shootings. Mass shootings are mostly done by white people. Correct. And and he just said, we went from transgenders to mass shootings to race very quickly. Steve, I got to thank you for being on the show. I got to, and hey, we, we still got one quick topic. I got to ask these guys last week, Biden-Harris 2024. I felt like, I feel like the Democrats are going another direction, to be honest, but nobody's really stepping up. Nobody's making any noise. I'm worried about Biden's age, to be honest. Um, things are starting to get done. There's been a lot of bipartisan, as much as people want to Talk about the differences between Republicans and Democrats. Uh, Biden has had more bipartisan bills passed in this legislation for in, in his four years than we've 
than we saw under Trump, to be honest. I hate to say this. Please, guys, correct me if I'm wrong. But we've seen more bills passed with with a, a good amount of Republicans backing the bills. And if so, um, you guys want to comment on yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, but someone described <clears throat> Biden as the proctologist of the political of the political elite. He's the guy no one wants to hang around, but he's absolutely necessary. He's getting the job done. And, and frankly, I am so every time we have a president who breaks the age barrier, we are, oh, he's too old to be president. Remember, Reagan was too old to be president. Reagan would be considered a spring chicken these days. Trump was too old to be president. Biden's fine. His age isn't going to bother him. Biden's vanilla ice cream. He's everybody's second choice. He's not chocolate. He's not Rocky Road. He's pistachio? the guy the standby. He's not pistachio. His mine's is pistachio. That's my favorite ice cream. Okay. He's vanilla ice cream. He's everybody's standby favorite. And that's why he's going to win. Because he's everybody's second choice. Mm, mm. Uh, screen who, no, seriously, who are the Republicans are going to nominate? DeSantos uh, is falling flat on his face. Yeah, that's who I so, thought their guy was going to be was DeSantis. I thought, and he, he did. He's, he's, he he's, did pass a bill that will allow him to stay governor um, if he was right. to run for president, but he still hasn't officially announced it. Um, right. He's been a disaster. I think Rob pointed out. I think you pointed it out. Outside of Florida, the guy's been an absolute complete disaster. So you got DeSantos. Then you got Trump, who's currently under an indictment, people in case you've forgotten that, probably getting that even more. Although I, it's important to remember that uh, Eugene Debs was not only nominated for presidency, but actually got half a million votes while he was in jail in California. He was mm. a socialist, for those of you who don't know who I'm talking <clears> about. So that's not a and and uh, James Michael Curley actually got elected mayor of Boston while doing a prison sentence. So we do have a so and you got Marion Berry who smoked crack and still got reelected. Right. <laughs> so other than the sanctimonious and uh and and the and the uh, the MAGA moron, who do you got in the Republican Party? Give me a third candidate. Who? There's there's nobody. Like I said, Mike my, my No. Uh, it's it's very interesting in the Republican primary because obviously Trump is still the elephant in the room, no pun intended. Mm -hmm. And um and and so you know if he's gonna run away with it because nobody can nobody can figure out how to break the code and he winds up being the nominee, then that changes the landscape considerably for 2024. I don't understand why Biden's approval rating is as low as it has been because it remains consistently low. And I think he's just not getting the, the coverage or the credit for some of the things that are being done because it's too quiet. Obviously, the media likes to focus on the controversy. And so we hear about <clears> some <throat> of the controversies and, and they deserve to be covered. Nothing should be nothing should be you know brushed under the rug. There's good and bad in every administration. Some have more good, some have more bad, but everybody has some of each. And the issue is that. You know, he doesn't get credit for that. He has passed, considering the political climate, the fact that he has passed a lot of bipartisan legislation, many of which people can't even list um, because it's just not getting covered, um, it really is, is a testament to what he's been trying to do. Now, all that said, what it would be interesting would be um, what would be interesting 
is, you know, why not? I mean, if I'm being truthful, I would have liked him to take a victory lap after this term and sit it out. I actually would have preferred he not run for a second term. I, I do have, <laughs> have concerns. He has cleared it medically that he right now he is fine. He can run. The campaign will be grueling and the American public will get a sense of it. My concern is what happens if he falters during the campaign and now we're stuck because you can't it's too late. And then all of a sudden, a guy like Trump has the chance to win because people are afraid because they saw Biden falter, you know, it, it, as a medical issue, not because he makes a gap. He's going right, to make gaps. Right. That's the problem. Right. But, but if he really has some kind of, a, of, of an issue, then all of a sudden all bets are off. Like now, a, like a stroke. <laughs> well, as I mean, we, as we saw happen, with Fetterman. I, I, I don't like the morbid prediction of Nikki Haley. I thought that was a little bit, I, I think there was a better way to suggest, you know, the age issue than saying he's going to die in office. Um, that's not a very nice thing to say, but I, but I do get her point. By the way, you may remember, I said this on the show previously, that if she gets traction, she'll win. She, she, she would beat President Biden if she wins the Republican nomination in 24. I don't like her. I, I think she sold out as a member of the Trump administration, but not as bad as others. She didn't sell out as bad as Pompeo or, or some of the other people that were thinking about running. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, I think if she were to establish herself as a serious contender, um, it would not surprise me. I, I would I would give her a lot of ability to win and anything can happen in a, in a campaign. But she's one of the people that, you know, I, I if I'm the Democrats, I'm very concerned about her. I don't want to see her rise in the numbers because she's one of the people that they're that they should be scared of. And, and you know, as the campaign goes on, there are going to be other people that uh, that that rise to the surface. I'm not saying that I support anybody. I'm just saying that there are some people out there in a long campaign. Anything can happen. Remember, <clears throat> it was supposed to be Giuliani versus Clinton in 2008. So, you know, that didn't go very well during That's the campaign, right. no. either one of them. It didn't work. So, you know, you, you just can't take it. I, I, I am concerned. I think I think that, you know, the, the people don't realize I think some people do, but most people don't realize that the grueling experience of being president. Why would anybody want it, especially in this environment and a guy that's going to be 82 on Inauguration Day? I'm sorry, I do have concerns, but I'm going to support him if he's the nominee, because there's no way in hell I'm going to let Trump or any any MAGA person anywhere near the government. Um, and so, you know, if the Republican Party can take their party back and put up serious candidates for a president, for the Senate, for the House, for governor, then they'll, then they'll be a real party. And the American people should take a fair look at at everybody and pick, you know, who stands for their, their side of the issues. But, you know, right now, you know, the, the MAGA party is, you know, it's, it's irresponsible. It's dangerous. It's authoritarian. Uh, you know, so we, we can't take any risks. We just can't. And we got to get ready to get out of here. Uh, Steve Reader, one last question. He asked if you get, what are your thoughts on Tulsi Gabbard? You guys. I said this on the show a long time ago. She's a kook. Ken. Yesterday's news. Yesterday's news. And we're going to, we're going to get ready to close it out with that before we get out of here. Man, <laughs> wow, this show took a turn for conversation. Um, I got to thank everybody for supporting the show, purchasing the beanie. Also, all the shows that I produce right here, Oscar Mike Radio on Thursday nights. Tuesday nights, following me, Happy Hour with Lito. Maddie C Sports for you and me on Sunday. I want to thank everybody for tuning in for that one. Uh, for Andrew Valdina last week, um, the Cooperative Dinner Network dinner, free spaghetti night on Wednesday nights in Boston, 1102 Blue Hill Ave every Wednesday night. 
The Camp Pelo Neighborhood Plan has two more events left in June and July. Uh, one more on May 24th. Make sure you scan the code and get down there and speak about the future of the Campello area. <clears throat> April 26th was last week. Onyx, I missed out at the Middle East. Heard it was a great show. And the Boston Comics Color and Festival was Saturday, April 29th. I have a guest coming on who was at this event. Uh, real soon, I'll be making the announcement. Also, the annual meet and greet slingshot convention. Third annual will be in Connecticut at the truck bar. Um, I might be heading down this Saturday. Also, the vendor pop-up on May 13th here in Brockton, 60 Skinner Street. The Down and Derby is this weekend at Ned Devine's in Faneuil Hall with Louis Bello. And the Hip Hop Happy Hour will feature Viana Marie on June 15th at 8 p.m. And she will be performing at the Brockton Juneteenth event on June 17th at the Brockton Fairgrounds. Summer Solstice in Brockton, June 21st, and Open Mic Night Boom Squad Radio, who just had Little Easy E on this past weekend. Big ups to them. And once again, Kimberly Ann, Empowerment Photography. There's Viana Marie right there, uh, my artist. And again, Oscar Mike Radio, MV7. Thank you, Travis, for the microphone, which you guys are going to see real soon when we do a live show from a location. And last week, and that's it. That's it. We got to get ready to get out of here. I'm going to let my guys say goodbyes. Say their goodbyes. Uh, I'm going to start with Ken Diesel today. Bye, and thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I thank all of our listeners, all 12 of you. Guys, be safe, be informed, be happy. We'll see you in June. Steve doesn't look happy about your guys of points about Tulsi Gabbard. He's, oh, my God. So, our squid. Yeah, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, love the first Tuesday of the month. Can't wait for June. Like I always say, stay informed and stay safe. Yeah, it's crazy. We're coming up on, on June, <laughs> halfway through. Um, guys, I want to thank everybody for tuning in the show. It's 8.34. We ran a little bit over, but I got to thank everybody, even if we agree to disagree. Uh, Steve Rita, thank you for being in the chat and dropping your, your conversation for us. Uh, Cyrissa Blue Rose, Cyrissa, what's going on? And uh, hey, Cash Pina, wow, everybody's in the chat. Um, SpongeBob, do me a favor and uh, take us home because we had a good show tonight. Here we go. See you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to The Booth on Hoobazoo and HatcherRadio.com. Please follow the Facebook page and subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. The Booth is a Sinister One production hosted by Sinister One. I've got to start hanging out with friends that are a little more intelligent and understand politics and stuff. It's just that I'm up on this level up here, and all my friends are down here. Me, nah. You guys, nah. Maybe a little more down, down here. Screw you guys, I'm going home. I smoke, I drink, I do my thing. These bitches hating, so you know I got to make it plain. Don't do cocaine with your chick, my main. We stick together, true forever, yeah, you know we bang. I miss those days, which was easy. If only I make it, bitch, don't repeat. Now that I done upgraded, I've been upstate, but y'all think I'm playing. And I got to hit now for these weak assholes who think I ain't slaying. Try me, try me, and I'll probably end up laughing because I never back down. I'm that chick with a clean ass whip. I don't need that shit. It's like I'm my own now. 
Enter website, enter website, enter website, enter website.